I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, April 1, 2019. It is April Fool's Day. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So we're going to do a quick recap. I'm going to clean up the chart a little bit. There are some extra lines on the chart, but we're going to use them as points of reference and then we'll remove what we don't need going forward. But the market had one heck of a gap higher today. It was a gap and go. So the last time we made a video, it was Thursday's close. So after Thursday's close, and pretty much all week long, we've been discussing the fact that it would not be uncommon for the market to trade higher into the end of the quarter. We talked about all the hypothetical bonuses and all that stuff. Who knows what the reality is? It doesn't really matter. We've just read this book before. There's money flow the first day of every single month into pension funds, 401ks. So it tends to be an up day. Not 100% of the time, but it tends to be an up day. So you put those things together and you had a big IPO last week in Lyft, which instead of getting a lift, it actually sank. We'll take a look at that one a little bit later. But we talked about the fact that the market had to get above 283.80 on a closing basis in order to wipe out the bear flag pattern that was developing. We said that markets like to test the highs of breakdown candles, the lows of breakup candles. We talk about that all the time. So we knew that the market was headed in that direction. Certainly after Thursday, we talked directly about this. And then what happens? When a market has a difficult time busting through what I like to call overhead resistance, it gaps over it. Or on the downside, if it can't get through a support level, it wants to go lower, but it can't get through, it gaps below the support level. We talk about this all the time. That's what you saw today. In fact, you also saw the market close above the previous high. And the high I'm discussing is the one from the 21st of March. So the fact that we closed above that high and the fact that we closed above the breakdown candle high tells us a couple of things. It tells me... For one, that the same energy that would have been released to the downside, likely into the area of these moving averages, down around 275, give or take, that was what this minimum was going to give us on the downside if this particular reversal candle played out. Now, it could have done a lot more, but that was at a minimum. That's something right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. It's really from a symmetrical standpoint doesn't have to be the end, but that would be a target on the downside. But the way we look at it is the same energy that would have been released to the downside is now being released to the upside. And from a symmetrical standpoint, you're about in that general area anyway. doesn't mean that's the total upside we're going to see. It just means that that energy that was to be released to the downside has been released to the upside. Now we can talk about Where do we go next? I just wanted to point something out that we've discussed before, and I think it's useful because when you see something happening, if you have an idea of what's really happening under the cover, meaning, well, the energy is being released to the other side, 
it's gapping above a really important level, so I know what's really going on. It is really bullish. It's not a fake out. It is going to go higher, and I can look for a pullback and hop on board because markets are going to go higher. So you can identify things like that, and we know where the bogey is. Right now, for me, the bogey is closing hourly back below 283.80 would be a, certainly a negative sign. Now, I know that's not really close by at this point, but that is where the bogey is. You can use today's low, but the real number for me is 283.80. Hourly and then certainly daily, closing back below that, that would be what I like to call a recapture. That would be a recapture on the downside, and that would generally spell trouble on the downside if something like that happened, for example, tomorrow. I'm not saying that's in the playbook for tomorrow. I'm just saying if we wake up to a gap down and that's what's going on, you'll see that's going to really bring some sellers out of the woodwork. By the way, let me just pause here for a second and thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the videos each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy, and only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video and go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. Getting back to business, before we go forward, what we'll do is clean up the chart a little bit. This may come into play in the future, but 280.40, we no longer need it. It served its purpose. Boy, did it serve its purpose. How long did we rely on 280.40 to know whether this market was in a bullish or bearish position? It actually served me as well as any number has served in the past. Here's the best part. There'll be other numbers that do the same thing. How long they do it for is up to them. Sometimes they do it for a few days. Sometimes they do it for a few weeks. But when they do it, they do it. Now, we need 283.80 because that's going to give us an idea of whether we may or may not have a recapture on the downside. We don't know exactly what the market's going to do when you wake up tomorrow. So we have an open mind. But let's talk about the upside as well. So we had 287 to 290 originally on the chart. That was the red zone. But we had another reset. So when I mean reset, we did it before. We always do it. So the market goes up and then it has a reset. It pulls back. And what it does is it kind of builds some more energy and it allows it to move higher. So when we have a reset, the number that I was originally looking at where I may have been willing to step in on the short side of the market had we not had a correction. So for example, if we ran right up there from here, I may have taken a short position or a starter position at 287. Why? Because it's a breakdown candle high. It's still likely to provide at minimum of intraday resistance. However, the fact that we had this little reset here makes me want to think that 287 isn't necessarily the final destination. So I'm going with, and I don't know whether this is going to be the final destination, but I think we're more likely to get to the big fat round number of 290, and I even put another number up there, 291.72. Why? Simply because it's another gap that hasn't been filled, and guess what? If we get close, there's certainly a possibility they can fill the gap. Why not? So for now, I think we'll leave the chart as it is and see how things develop. I'm still going to call 287 to 290 the hot zone. What we're doing now is we're looking for 
signs and a signal of a trend change. Date back a couple of weeks. I said the market has a couple of more weeks. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four, maybe it's one. We don't know exactly, but if price matches up with time in an approximate and reasonable matchup, if you will, that's an area where you want to take on some risk if you're in the risk business. I'm in the risk business. Most of you are in the risk business. We're looking for a high probability trade setup. And based on what I can tell, in that 290 area, maybe even slightly higher, but that's an area where I'm still willing to take on some risk, thinking that the market over time will certainly come back down. Look where we've been since December. I've been saying the trend is up, and most haven't believed it. Most have been looking for a collapse in the market. That's one of the reasons why it continues to go higher. The market normally defies what most people think it can do. If you've been here for a long time, then you've seen this happen over and over and over again. We don't necessarily always know where a top or a bottom is, but we know what we're looking for when we're looking for signs and a signal of a trend change. These are things that are taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. These are things that you need to know. We're looking for a top. The market may not find it tomorrow, but we're looking for a top. You're going to need time. It's not going to necessarily top out and collapse. It may banter back and forth up here for several weeks. We don't know. But what I do know is there's a lot of overhead resistance as the market goes higher. Are we going to make new highs? That's going to be a question that comes up. We may. I don't suspect we will. So here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to take a trade on the short side relatively close to risk. So let's just say for argument's sake, we'll use a hypothetical trade. I'm not taking the trade today because the market's not there. And I don't know that I will take the trade when the market gets there. All decisions are made in real time. Let's just use a hypothetical trade. Let's say the market got up to this 290, 290 and a half, 291 area, maybe even up to 292. I'm willing to put on some risk and I would likely use either an exchange traded product that's an inverse to the S&P in this case, or I would use puts. I would be buying a put option or several put options with an expiration at some point in the future, and it's not a week or two away. That's not the way that I would plan this out. So here's the thing. Where's my risk? So if you look at here on the chart, you see that this high here is 293.21. Just to the left, what you can't see is the actual high from 2018. We're going to round it and say 294. So that's my risk. If we began closing daily above 294, I'm going to have to get out of that position and I'm going to have to reevaluate. The market will eventually come down, but you may have to try a trade like that once, twice, maybe even three times. It does happen. I don't know that that will happen, but we're all aware that that does happen. It Sometimes it just doesn't work out the first time, but that's an area that I'm willing to put on risk as I sit here today making this video. Now, I'm assuming we're going to get there quickly. Let's say we get there in three weeks because we've gone sideways from today for three weeks. The whole story is going to change. I'm assuming we're getting there sooner than later. I'm talking days, not weeks. Now realize something else. 
I'm not the only person looking at that area. There's a lot of traders looking at that area. That area is not a secret. So here's the thing. The market's not going to just run up to that area, hand you a trade, and collapse, hand you a bucket of money, and say, you're welcome. It doesn't work like that. So expect some back and forth. Expect the market to jerk things around for a while up there. Just real quick, I said we would look at a chart of lift. There's your chart of lift. Two days down from the open, that's what you call a failed IPO. And here's the way this works. Because there's more IPOs coming, there's Uber and there's others. There's, I believe, Pinterest. I think there's a few more as well. If they're going to get these out, what they're going to do is they're going to take a bullet on Lyft, say that they mispriced Lyft, meaning the underwriters mispriced Lyft. They'll correct the mistake on the IPOs going forward, and then they'll make sure that if they're able to get the IPOs out going forward, Uber and such, that they'll do a better job. So Lyft was an experiment for Uber because Uber is the bigger IPO than Lyft. So they test the waters with Lyft and they'll do it right with Uber. That's at least my take on what's going to happen going forward. We always look at the IWM. It is my favorite market leading indicator. So a couple of things jump out on this chart. A, we closed above the breakdown candle high. 154.55, this close here is 154.76. So that's a positive. That's in the bullish camp. We jumped the moving averages, right? We closed below the 20 moving average on Friday. Now we're above the 20, the 50, and the 100. However, we're below the 200. But remember what we discussed a couple of times already. If, in fact, we find the S&P up in the area that we discussed, 290, give or take, somewhere up in that zone, and the IWM is only maybe getting back to its recent highs or making a lower high, that would be a negative for the market. That's not a positive. You need to see a leading indicator, which is the IWM, lead the market. And essentially, it's lagging the market. So today, for example, the S&P 500 had a big up day. It was up 32 points over 1%. The IWM was up 1%. It's a good up day for the IWM. But why wasn't it up one5 or one and three quarter, or even 2%, if there was real institutional participation behind this rally, you would see a rising IWM if there was going to be much higher prices, broadly speaking, in weeks and months to come. That's my take. If the IWM catches up and busts out, that's fine. That'll tell a different story. How about the transports, my second favorite market-leading indicator? Now, they're telling a different story. They're very bullish, up over 2% today, so they are leading to the upside. Now, they can be viewed as a leading economic indicator, so we have to be careful. The transports look to be breaking out. Where are they likely headed? They're likely headed to fill this gap where I moved The trend line we had up here, which was at the breakdown candle high, I've now moved it to the gap, 10,850 and change. Now, what if they come through the gap on the way up and close above the gap and keep going? That's bullish for the market. You're likely going to see other markets following suit. So we look at all markets independent of one another, but we do have them as puzzle pieces. We put it on the table, and when the picture becomes clear, it becomes clear. Right now, we have an IWM saying one thing. We have a transports that were saying something similar. All of a sudden, 
may be saying something else, but we may have a beat on what they're really saying, which is filling the gap. Anything north of the gap, and they're saying something else. How about the Qs? Now, this is interesting. We look out to Silicon Valley, we look to the tech sector, and you think money would be flowing into the tech sector, and it was up more than the S&P 500 today, about 1.4%. But look what's interesting. Look where this breakdown candle high is. It happens to be 182.27, and we closed below that today. Doesn't mean we can't jump over it tomorrow. I just find it interesting. I find it a little suspect. Maybe it's a tiny clue. I'm putting it on the table as a very small puzzle piece. I just find it interesting. I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence. I think it's what I'll call cute. Now look at the XLF. What a difference a day makes. We were struggling with the XLF for several days. We were struggling for a couple of weeks. Now all of a sudden, the XLF has a tremendous day up over 2% to the upside. Now go back to the conversation we had several days ago about the inverted yield curve and the media frenzy. What do financials benefit from? Well, certainly they benefit from an up market. We know that. They don't have to, but they generally do. And if the financials are on the rise and the broader market's on the rise, that's usually bullish across the board. But also, when yields rise, it's built-in profit for the financials. So the reverse is true. So when yields were falling and the bond market was rallying, it was squeezing the financials. You were seeing a decline in the XLF and all the components that make up the XLF. Now, all of a sudden, if we flip over to the bond market, what happened? We'll use the TLT. What happened is exactly what we talked about happening. It just didn't get exactly to the number. We got to a high of 126.69. We talked about about 127. Maybe it's slightly up. Maybe it's slightly short of that. But that was about the number that seems to be around the height of the media frenzy. We were talking about all the ramifications of the inverted yield curve day in, day out. You know the script. We talked about it ahead of time, and now you're seeing the result. A decline in bond prices, and if you want to look over at yields, for example, here's the 30-year treasury yield. We looked at it a couple of times last week. Here you go. All of a sudden, media frenzy, reversal. That's the 10-year bond. Here's the 30-year bond. Same chart. Doesn't really matter. It's the point of the conversation. How about the SMH, Philadelphia Semiconductor Index? The SMH is the tracking ETF. We're above all the moving averages. It's in an uptrend. There's nothing wrong with this chart. This is telling you it's not finished yet. We're headed to a destination. Whatever market gets to its destination first and decides that's it and it's over, all the other markets will be notified and they'll all do the same, not necessarily at the same time, to the same minute or the same hour or even the same day or week, but it all will happen. That's the way it works. It happens over and over and over again. You saw it in December. You're going to see it here shortly. Might take a few weeks, but it's going to happen. The question is, from what price? Here's another chart worth taking a look at. We look at the VIX when we get to extremes in the market, whether it's on the upside or the downside. So we're not at an extreme in the market, but we're in that camp where the market is melting up, right? We're kind of in that melt-up mode. We don't know exactly where it's going to stop. Maybe it goes a lot farther than I've even been talking about. 
but we seem to be in a melt-up mode, and barring some kind of reversal tomorrow, it looks like there's higher prices to come. But the interesting thing is, we're not making new recent lows in the VIX. So that's of note. It's certainly in a downtrend below all its moving averages, but we're not making new lows. It's interesting. Still 1340, we were talking about sub-12, sub even down in the 1150 area, maybe it gets there, maybe it doesn't. Right now, the market's not necessarily that far away from final destination in the big picture, if it's going to be final destination. I should qualify that. I should make no assumptions whatsoever. I just find it interesting where the VIX stands on its chart. I'm paying attention. We'll call it a small puzzle piece. I'll put it on the table. We keep watching the VIX. We keep watching all the markets. We're looking for any clue we can find. We're not interested in inventing clues. We're just looking for clues. How about crude oil? Still on the rise. So crude oil is telling us that nothing's wrong, generally speaking, in the economy, right? Crude oil can certainly be viewed as an economic indicator. It's in the camp of the transports, right? When we look over at the transportation department, we know that we have railways, we have air freight, we have goods moving across the country in a variety of different ways. That makes up the transports. If the transports are doing well, then it makes sense that energy is doing well because they're buying energy. That's in theory. It's supply and demand. Doesn't happen like that on the same day in reality. That's not in the real world. I'm talking about when you live in a bubble and in theory how these things really work. But we don't really care about that stuff. We're just looking at the chart and we're saying, where the heck is oil going and where's resistance? As crazy as it sounds... 64 and a half if we get a rising tide lifting all boats scenario and I'm discussing this is days not necessarily weeks away if things change and oil pulls back and it banters back and forth the story changes I'm discussing if something happens over the next few days where we get a melt up in everything 64 and a half is actually a possibility And that's pretty much the full bucket of everything I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight. So we're going to give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.